It's so funny because when people think of podcast, or at least when I thought of podcast before I started podcasting, I always imagined really professional studios and at the museum I worked at, we had a recording studio and my former advisor there, he records his podcast there. So I always imagined it to be like the super professional experience until I started learning from other podcasters. And it's really as simple as just recording into a microphone. So I am sitting on my couch, recording directly into my computer. I have a cat on my lap, blankets on my stomach, super comfy with lots of pillows. It. I just wanted to comment on how funny that is, that you guys probably imagine me being very professional in a studio, or that at least that's the way I want you to imagine me. But if you're thinking of doing a podcast, it is a lot easier than you think, especially there's a hurdle you need to jump over. But once you get that, you can absolutely do it. Okay, so let's get into the show's topic. So why do I care about connecting people to nature? Why, I mean, I'm providing some good gift ideas for you, but maybe you could tell from one of my other episodes that I'm not the biggest into, we celebrate Christmas. So I'm I'm actually, I don't love Christmas as much as other people do. And I stopped giving gifts to most people in my family. A little bit of a Grinch that way. So why, why am I providing these gifts? Well, it is incredibly important for me to get people outdoors connecting to nature because that is so important in raising future conservationists. To get adults to change their behaviors, change their attitudes, to be more pro-conservation, pro-wildlife, it is really, really difficult. And if you ask anyone who is a wildlife biologist, I guarantee you they will say they become a wildlife biologist because they spent time outdoors in nature as a child. I have yet to meet anyone who hasn't done this. And these moments connecting with nature, especially when you're young, they are so important and they stay with us forever. And research shows this, that that children who spend more time in nature when they're younger and have these connections to nature, they are more likely to have pro-conservation, pro-environmental attitudes when they're adults. So rather than trying to get your social media messages or talking to adults about it, not that that's not important, I still think we should all talk about it, but really you make a long lasting impact and a more effective impact by talking to children. When I talk about nature, people usually visualize going to national parks or state parks, these really outdoorsy, pristine areas not touched by humans, and it does not have to be that way at all. I grew up in the suburbs of Buffalo. We did have a front and backyard. It wasn't that big, but I spent time with my family flipping over rocks, visiting ponds, and just looking at the common animals that we had around our house up close. And this is what made me love wildlife. What's going on currently is something called the extinction of experience. And this is what I was talking about, these experiences in nature. And when we have these losses of experience, 
we are raising generations of people to to not know about what lives around them, to not know the animals around them. And I actually have a TED Talk on this. I'll put a link in the show notes. But if you don't know the animals around you, how are you going to care about missing them when they're threatened? If you don't even know they exist, and this is especially true for lots of uncharismatic species like insects and and frogs, they're charismatic in my mind, but to a lot of people, they might they are might not that be that interested in them or mussels, freshwater mussels. It's hard to get people to care about about them, and there's endangered species that are freshwater mussels. So we need to restore these experiences with nature. And with each passing generation, with this extinction of experience, we are spending more and more time indoors, less time outdoors. I am guilty. I spend a lot of time indoors. And you tend to raise your children based on the way that you were raised. So if you went outside a lot as a child, you probably still go outside a lot as an adult. But with each generation going outside less frequently, each generation is raised with this new norm, this shifting baseline of the extinction of experience. So right now is a great time to think about gifts connecting people to nature because we are in the midst of a pandemic. And although we are not in lockdown right now, there's no orders, at least in my state in North Carolina, it's a really good idea to stay home as much as you can and with that, with people being more restricted in what they can do for entertainment, a lot of people have turned to the outdoors, which is really great. And I want to encourage you to get outdoors more frequently too, especially with kids. This spring, I am actually launching a membership program I worked with teachers for many years developing lesson plans based on my research for kids in classrooms, and I am going to create a similar experience for any child out there or adult. You don't have to be a kid to participate. It's going to be fun, but we're going to deliver weekly or sorry, monthly activities, kind of like lesson plans, but they're not going to be, they're definitely going to be academic, but I'm, I don't want it to be like like a school lesson plan. I want it to be really fun. So it's going to be aligned with real wildlife biology activities that us wildlife biologists do. There's going to be a challenge each month, and you're going to learn about wildlife by going outside, doing these, these different activities. If you really are restricted outside, I am going to try to provide online activities that will simulate these activities for you. But this is a program that I am super excited about. It's going to be a monthly membership. I think it'll probably cost $20. And it's a really great idea for kids, especially now. A lot of them are being homeschooled with, with schools closed. And it's going to be really fun. And it's going to be made by real scientists, so me. And then as I grow, I'm going to add other scientists on to be featured in videos and in lesson plans. So you probably hear some ruckus in the background. Those are my dogs as I 
progress in these podcasts, I become more and more low key. So hopefully they will quiet down in a little bit. But but yeah, things happen in life. So I'm no longer shooting for perfection. I'm letting the dogs bark. Another reason why I think it's important to get people outside is because there are real healing powers in nature. And right now is a tough time for pretty much everyone in the world. Unless you're selling hand sanitizer or you're Amazon. I mean, people have been hit really hard by this pandemic. And even if you are profiting or if you're in a, in a business that hasn't been threatened by the pandemic, we're restricted and where we can go. It's taking an emotional toll on us. It's taking a mental toll on us. And there's a lot of research to show that nature improves our health. And not only fitness, so a lot of people, when they go outside in nature, they hike. In the summertime, they might swim and kayak and stuff like that. But just looking at nature, there's studies that show this. Just looking at nature, being outside in nature has mental health benefits. And this is also true for kids. I first learned this with by attending the Children and in Nature Network conference a couple of years ago in Vancouver. I was invited by the director of education at the museum. This conference changed my life. I just learned about how important it is to get kids into nature. It helps with things like ADHD, depression. There's just, there's so many studies. And if you go to the website, they have links to all these different studies that show that, that kids test scores improve or their academic scores improve when they get these outside activities. So this is so important. And of course, this carries over to adults too. There's a really cool Hidden Brain episode. This is a podcast. It's a social science human psychology podcast done by National Public Radio. It's called Our Better Nature. Just by looking at trees, again, this can be an urban environment, but looking at, at living things outside, it improves our health. It improves our psyche. So... Maybe you're wondering, okay, what what can I do in nature or what what can I do to get people connected to nature? I have somebody who I want to get connected to nature, maybe your children, or maybe you have a nature lover in your family. So I'm going to go over a bunch of different things that you can get them for the holidays. Some of these it might be actually these are things a lot of these things were things that I did as kids as a kid, but really they're good for adults and kids. You just have to embrace the child in you. Actually, I don't even know why I consider it their kids' activities. They're really not. A lot of these are are even professional wildlife biologist activities. But I guess I'm just thinking of my childhood growing up. Okay. And the first gift I definitely didn't have when I was a kid, and this is my favorite idea because I'm really biased. I did research using this item, but it is a camera trap. I think I just think camera traps are so much fun. I love them so much. So camera traps, you can buy them online or in sporting goods stores. They are triggered by heat and motion. So whenever an animal walks by, it takes a picture of them. I recommend the Reconyx brand. 
Reconyx is pretty expensive though. They're like $400 a camera trap. They're, they're research quality. So I have not worked with this brand, but it's been highly recommended by other scientists I work with. And I think it's the Browning Spy Cam. So I, I'll put a link in the show notes to the Reconyx. And then at the bottom, there's a link for Browning. But camera traps, you put them outside, you wait a while. We wait three weeks with our eMammal research. And then you go back and you get these amazing pictures of wildlife. Because technology has improved so much, you can now collect thousands of pictures on an SD card. Your camera traps can run for months at a time. And like I said, even with the common animals, it is so much fun to look at these photos and to see what out, what's out there. On our eMammal website, eMammal.org, we have lots of fun of our, we have lots of photos of our favorite photos, sometimes our favorite species, that it's just really fun to go online and look at those photos. I, like I said, I, I never get sick of it. A camera trap in itself, it's a gift that keeps giving. Our volunteers would say that checking a camera trap card is like Christmas, you're opening a present. You you don't know what you're gonna get. So it's that it's a gift that keeps giving year round. With a camera trap, a good accessory with that is a field mammal guide. So my former advisor, Roland Kays, he authors one for North America. That way you can identify the animals that you get on your camera trap. That's a nice compliment. You're gonna need accessories for the camera trap too. Those are not as much fun, but you'll need them. Like the SD card, the batteries, you'll probably need a lock unless it's at your home and you know nobody goes in your yard. Another really fun gift is binoculars. I love binoculars. Binoculars are really great, especially if you have somebody who's interested in birds. Your world will change looking at birds. And if you listen to podcast episode. I think it's number eight with Lauren Farr. She's an ornithologist. She studies birds. And the cool thing about birds is you can study them anywhere in the world. Even in Antarctica, there's penguins, although you don't, well, actually you probably do need binoculars to see them sometimes. But it's just so much fun to like see these little flutterings and bushes or trees. And then when you use your binoculars and even here, a lot of the common birds, or or maybe they're birds that you you didn't realize were here. Once you start birding, and with binoculars, you got to get a bird book. Actually, I, sh- I take that back. You don't have to, but it's really fun to get a bird book. There are apps now that you don't have to get bird books anymore. But I like having a bird book because I like keeping a life list. And a lot of people are against this, but I write in my bird book which birds I've seen. I highlight them. And it's just so much fun to see all of the diversity that you you really didn't know that you had. So so binoculars are also good if you want to do large mammal watching in open areas, like if you live in the western United States or definitely in Africa if you go on safari. But really, it's great for birds. If you have another bird lover, getting them a bird feeder or a hummingbird feeder is also really fun. They make some cool bird feeders that you can stick to your windows so you can see the birds up close. Hummingbirds are just gorgeous creatures. I got a hummingbird feeder. We've had hummingbirds around 
And if you live in certain parts of the United States or definitely in other countries, you might get bats at your hummingbird feeder too. I did a, a blog post about tequila, which is pollinated by a species of bats. And when I was looking for pictures of these bats, I saw on iNaturalist some really cool photos that somebody took of bats at their hummingbird feeder at night. Super cool photos. I'll post those in the show notes as well. Going on the bird theme, bird feeders are great, but if you really want to provide some good backyard habitat for for birds, really it's best to provide them with natural foods and lots of birds are are carnivorous too, so they'll eat insects. And you can do that by cultivating great habitat for them. So by planting native plants, you you can create some some patches of of great bark, backyard habitat for for not only birds but other species, pollinators, butterflies, insects, mammals. There's this great book about how to create backyard wildlife by David Mizajewski. Oh, geez, I totally butchered that. Mizajewski. We'll call him David. I'm sure he won't be mad at me. He's a, he seems like a really nice guy. I, I saw him talk before. At, he's of the, the National Wildlife Federation, and he has this, this great book about creating a backyard habitat for wildlife. So with for somebody who wants to do that or you think they would enjoy doing that, you could get them that book and then gardening supplies. They won't be able to use it probably for a couple of months, but that's a really fun gift to get them outdoors. And these little patches of habitat, they are actually really important for pollinators and birds. So don't think I live in an urban area, it's not going to matter, it's really developed around here. That is not true. There are scientific studies to show that, that backyard habitats or habitats in developed areas are really important, sometimes full habitats for, for certain species, but also stopover habitats for migrating species, for connectivity between larger habitat areas or maybe between protected areas. So every little bit counts and, and your backyard, your patch of land can really make a difference. Another thing you can do to connect to nature, this one might be a little bit harder in terms of seeing the animal, but you can set up a bat house. And I did a podcast interviewing bat biologist, Lisa Gatins. So check that out. That's in the show notes. My dad always had a bat house in our yard and we always saw bats at night. I didn't, I never really saw them coming in and out of the bat house, but I did see them in the sky at night fly over. We, we had a pool growing up and I saw them fly over the pool, the open areas where you couldn't see any, where, where trees weren't blocking the sky and at dusk you would always see them flying around. So not close enough to be able to ID them. It would be really hard to do that. Really, you have to to catch them, which you have to be a professional to do and licensed to do. But still, fun to see them fly around your house. So this is something your your gift receiver will have to probably wait 
wait to use until spring unless they live in in the south but but items that connect them to local ponds or wetland areas this is actually how I really got connected to nature growing up. I loved, loved, loved to go with my family to nearby lakes, nearby ponds, and we would go on the edges and there would frequently be sna snakes basking in the sun or frogs. And we would take nets, so you can order nets online. And if you want to get really adventurous, you can get waders or muck boots. And we would just collect different things, catch them, and look at them up close. I, we would always release them. I always recommend you release everything back into the wild. But look at them up close just made me realize how cool these animals were. One thing I really love to do in um, Allegheny State Park, which is in southern western new york is we used to do something called a splash hike and this was walking through a creek and for this we actually didn't buy anything we would just wear old sneakers and we would just bring like like cups and tupperware with us and collect crayfish and or i should say catch not collect salamanders and look at them up close Again, you can buy a field guide to go along with this, but nowadays you, you don't even need field guides. You can use iNaturalist, which is a citizen science app. And this app, you upload your photos, you take a picture with your phone, you upload it, and experts around the world will help you identify the animals or plants or anything else that you put on there. Stuff doesn't always get identified. It depends on what it is and who's willing to help. But a lot of herps, so snakes and, and frogs, amphibians, they definitely get identified. A lot of birds definitely do. But plants, I've had people not identify as much or, or fungi. But getting a field guide, again, is a fun thing to do. One thing I also loved growing up, or I also loved doing growing up, I am from Buffalo, New York, so we did go outside, but winters were very long in Buffalo. Seriously, it would snow almost every Halloween. It wouldn't stick, but it would be that cold. And then sometimes it would snow in May. I kid you not. Wouldn't stick, but it still snowed. So we only had a couple of months of summer weather and a lot of time indoors. We actually would look at the wildlife in our homes though. And there is actually a study done at NC State with the North Carolina Museum about the wildlife in your home. And Michelle, she was the Michelle Trotwin, she was the lead scientist on this project and she went kind of like with this vacuum cleaner thing and sucked up different insects that were in people's homes. And the average home, I think it was had a hundred insects. It was it was a lot. So a hundred different species that they found in people's homes. So when I was a child, we definitely would put spiders in jars, and we had these magnifying jars as well as magnifying glasses, and we would look at the spiders up close. And it was just like a really fun thing to do. I just. Even though spiders, I, I love spiders. I did find them a little bit icky, but I just thought it was really cool to look at them up close. 
And again, we even release them back into our homes. We just put them back in the ceilings. I live with all the spiders today in my house. I never kill spiders. Actually, it was really funny because we had about, I want to say like six to eight large ants over the summer in our kitchen. And we just like let them go. My husband and I, neither one of us killed them. And I remember this one day, one of the ants was carrying something really large. Like it found like a broken chip or something. And I, and instead of called, calling my husband, like a, like a very, you know, it's, it's a very stereotypical female thing to do. You see this on TV shows a lot where like women are really scared of an insect that they find in their house. I called my husband. I was like, check out this ant. It's lifting this really big chip. And then we were like cheering it on. That's how weird we are. Anyways, so I loved these jars as a kid looking at the insects up close. It was a, a really fun activity. So going more into insects during the nighttime, here are some other fun things you can do. So a lot of insects come out at night and one way to attract them to be able to look at them up close is by getting a UV light and or you make it a couple of UV lights and a white sheet and you hook it up outside so the UV light is is casting on the white sheet and this attract attracts insects to it and you can find lots of really cool things a lot of these activities are also in another podcast episode that I have, and I believe it's number 11, about the 10 best activities to, to connect to wildlife. And I also have a downloadable PDF on that. So I will link to that too. And that activity is definitely in there. It's really fun to do. And that's really what entomologists, people who study insects, sometimes they do for field work is they will have this UV set up. Getting a headlamp is also really fun. So you can look for animals at night, smaller animals, using your headlamp, using the jar. Headlamps look super dorky, but they're awesome and so useful, especially if you go camping. And then my final gift idea, actually this was probably my favorite thing to do of all time when I was a kid, my favorite activity. Again, we did this in Allegheny State Park. We had this spotlight in Allegheny. It's a very large park. I think it's the largest state park in New York State. And we would drive around at night in our car with a spotlight and we would look for animals. And you can see the animals from their eye shine. So we would look for that eye shine and we would see just super cool animals. Now these are really common mammals, but you know, we didn't see them. Even, even as an adult, I still don't see these animals very frequently. So definitely deer, deer actually really easy to see, but it, I don't know, I still love seeing them. And as a kid, it was still really cool to see them raccoons, opossums, skunks, foxes. I actually saw, I recently came back from Buffalo, New York to visit my family. And on my walk during the daytime, I saw a red fox and this fox was trying to cross the path. Sometimes people get really scared to see an animal like this during daytime, but it is normal. 
even for animals like raccoons, which are primarily nocturnal, you can see them during the daytime. As long as they are keeping their distance from you and backing off when you advance, so retreating when you advance, this this shows that that's signs that they're they're healthy and they're they're normal animals. And yeah, we saw this red fox and it was really cool. He definitely or she was definitely a distance away, but we saw them pretty well. And you can see the video on my Instagram feed. But going all around Allegheny State Park with a spotlight, I loved doing this. It was so much fun. So those are my ideas for connecting people to wildlife, getting them to interact with wildlife, getting them to hopefully make these lifelong connections to nature, especially if they're young. So they end up caring about nature as a whole and we can prioritize conservation for the future. I'm sure I missed some activities, so let me know in um, the show notes of the podcast on fancyscientist.com. Let me know what your favorite activities are. I would love to add them to the list to share with other people what are some fun things that, what are some more fun things that they can do. If you want to look at specific items that I recommend that I talked about in this post, I do have an Amazon storefront for that. I am an affiliate for Amazon and let me add to that. I know a lot of people don't like Amazon and what I want to say, so what an affiliate is, is if you purchase through me, I get a percentage of that at no extra cost to you. So the item is the same amount of money. I always recommend that people shop local first. So Honestly, a lot of the Amazon store is to give you specific items that I enjoy, but I encourage you to find those items locally first. My family is a business owner. My family is a business owner. My family owns a business. We're a small business. My dad has been with the business I think now for 50 years. So we own a store in Buffalo, New York. So I totally understand the importance of small business. And we watched the impact that Walmart had on our business. That was the the big one back in the day that we thought Walmart was the enemy. So please shop locally first. That being said, some items you can't get locally. So this may not pertain to the items that I have on Amazon for this episode, but for example, there is an R book that I recommend for statistics. And I don't think you can find that anywhere else but Amazon. I don't even think you can find it at Barnes and Noble. So if you're deciding between Amazon and another large company like, I don't know, Home Depot for some of these items, such as like UV lights or whatever, I'll leave that up to you, which one's better or worse. But again, this is mostly for suggestions for for the types of things that you can buy. And I understand that some people do buy Amazon anyways. So if you want to help support me, this podcast doesn't have any commercials or anything. So that's one way that you can support me. And that is through anything you buy, by the way. So if you just go to one of my links and search for your items, that is it. So 
you can find that in the show notes and i hope you guys have a really great holiday season i know this is a weird one with the pandemic and i wish you all the happiness i am so excited for 2021 and i am just excited about planning 2021 i love planning i have so many ideas for podcast episodes for blog posts and i'm gonna be doing a lot more I think self-help types of stuff. And I kind of hate the word self-help because it makes it sound like you need help. So let's say personal development, which I know sounds like it doesn't have anything to do with wildlife or conservation, but it really helps all of us. And I just feel like wildlife and conservation is such a negative field. And, and people are just like really down on themselves. And so many of us suffer from imposter syndrome and not feeling good enough. So I want to do things to help you to help combat that. So thanks for listening and have a great day. Be kind to yourself, be kind to others, be kind to animals. Bye.